Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Good morning, Randy. What, uh, what's up this week? Hmm, let's see. On our other podcast, This Old App, we launched an episode that I think is anyone that's trying to quit procrastinating and get stuff done. It's a story um, with one of our previous guests, Mark Thompson, um, where he details that he gave himself a 30-day deadline for a project. It was a big challenge. He ultimately did not meet the deadline. He eventually did succeed with the goal. And I think it's just a great um, listen for folks that want to hear someone's anguish um, and then ultimately success with getting something done. And the only way the motivation was just to follow through. So that's on this old app dot online episode five. Yeah. I listened, I listened to that one in the car the other day and I, I, you, you know, the side projects that I've been doing and that includes that medium article that I wrote a a couple months back um, about cleaning out the claws of the side projects. So similar (laughs) feel. Yep. And I also started using a new app called Descript. The founder of Google um, started a new company called Detour. That company did not really, I don't think it became very profitable. He sold it off. But out of that came an application for um, editing audio and transcriptions. And we tried to do a a Patreon Patreon. Um, patron, I don't know how you pronounce it, patron account related to getting routine transcriptions for our show to help with accessibility, to be more inclusive. Um, and, you know, we didn't get the funding and it's pretty exp- it's expensive for a non-sponsored show to do, to drop $60, $70 an episode for transcription. And, but now using this new app Descript, I can edit while I listen to the episode and pull out show notes and stuff. And it's, I think it'll allow us to have transcriptions at least going forward um, for our shows, which is still a goal that I've been having for a while. So that's a nice addition. We've got a transcription on two episodes of this old app. I hope to transcribe this one. Um, and it can also allow us to qu- to cut out some of the ums. <laughs> once, you read, once you read a transcription, you, you realize, oh, I say so at the beginning of my sentences a lot. I need to quit that. But um, that was that's one latest project. Other than that, Ruby work, JavaScript work, React learning, Firebase learning, um, talking to founders of companies. I've been doing that a lot lately um, on the uh, trying to consult with their CTO related needs. Uh, pretty busy, but good stuff. What about you? So you took in a bit of culture uh, at the end of last week and went to see a, a Broadway show in Chicago. Um, correct? He- Heather's the musical. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> No, yes, Hamilton. We saw Hamilton finally for the first time. 
Sure, sure. So I didn't do anything quite as cultured, um, but uh, but Tuesday we went to go see Pink um, in concert. Um, and and I'll I will say the most controversial thing I, I think I've said on this show. Um, I think Pink, the 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 artist who is on the cover of People magazine, is one of the most underrated pop artists out there right now. <laughs> My wife listen, loves listening to her stuff. I mean, a lot more than back in the day. I'm just surprised yeah. there wasn't an age cap and you weren't allowed to go in. Oh, no. Trust me. The section we were sitting in was our age because it, <laughs> a, 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 as you go up in price level, the age goes up, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And then you've got you've got the those who, who brought their kids along, too. But uh but yeah, that was the second one we've been to, and, and both times they were great shows. Um, cool. And and one of her her album three albums ago, I think, is one of the best pop albums out there. So, yeah. like I said, most controversial thing I've ever said on this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, other than that, uh, just been working through stuff. We've got a, a project going on right now. We're we're fighting through, and then uh, on Aspire Edu, we're 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 working through some. Um, minor performance things that we're trying to get rectified, um, which scaling helps to some degree, but um, at the end of the day, you got to make your stuff uh, more performant in code at times as well. So um, we've got a a bigger project to handle that before the fall semesters kick in. Um, But in general, we're working through that. And then I've also got a, hundred plus question security survey I'm filling out for a client. So that's a interesting exercise. Wow. Can I help with that? No, actually don't answer that. <laughs> security. Security. No, I'm not allowed to share it at all. Um, no, but I will gladly share the questionnaire for, so for, for you to read for your uh, pleasure and enjoyment. <laughs> Great. Um, because there's nothing uh, more gripping than a security questionnaire. Um. So this this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about social media policies, email policies, um, engagement of employees with the outside world. Um, now, I'm going to preface this whole conversation, and we'll probably say it two or three more times, with the fact that this is an HR decision. Um, this is not an IT decision. Um, but as, as IT executives and IT leaders, um, it's probably important to be at least a part of the conversation so you can provide um, your knowledge and your, your uh, expertise uh, to that conversation as well. So um, in general, what I'm talking about here is Let's say uh, uh, what what I'm talking about in general is what is the policy when it comes to each employee's social media account and what restrictions, if any, uh, should there be placed on that? So uh, an employee has a Twitter account and they say something uh, controversial. How does that affect their employment with your company if the tweet itself said nothing about your company. Um, that's that's generally where we're what we're talking about. And and you see this uh, probably on a weekly basis. Um, there's some story about somebody saying 
something controversial, at least to a group of people. Um, and then employers have decisions to make about what to do about that. So um, have you have you had to deal with this in any of your dealings? And, and if if so or if not, what what's your general thoughts on that? I have not. I've never been asked by an HR department or a company to enforce any kind of social media. Um, I've never been asked by a company to watch myself. Um, and maybe that's because like small, I've always, the biggest company I've worked for was about four or five years ago and Twitter was still a, like a little trinket at that time, um, perhaps. But you know, I, I guess my opinion is I can understand why a big company wants to control the risk of a an employee's statements that may be misconstrued for representing views of the company. Like, I, I get that. Um the problem I think you run into is that this is a country United States is built on the idea of freedom of speech. Now that doesn't, I know that that doesn't necessarily pertain to comp- like how a person represents a company, but the, the idea is that people can say what they want and deal with the repercussions without corporate or government interference. So, how do you balance the the goal of our ideals um, to allow for people to be freedom of expression with the responsibility they need to say things while they represent a company? You know, normally I think you see people on their profiles say, my views are my own. And I see a lot of Microsoft people in the industry kind of go down that route. They basically seem to like they can make controversial statements as long as they say, I, while I may work for Microsoft, I don't speak for Microsoft. And that seems to work fine, um, I think. But I guess where I would get more involved is if a company wants to automate it. And Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, that's the only, like, I don't know how else you could, if you, if you came to me as I was a CTO of a company and the company came to me and said, we need a social media policy. I would say, well, go find some legal talk and scare people, like do your best to like enforce through policy. But if they came to me and said, we need to know what our people are saying, we need to monitor the, like what our folks are, are doing then I would have to come and do the search for tools that actually scanned and watched what people did. Um, I don't know how you can block anybody. The only thing you can really do is like monitor and then respond to that monitoring and have a policy and an enforcement in place that actually makes behavior a certain way. But I can't say I'd care to work for a company that got that heavy-handed w- with it, um, right? Myself. So, yeah, it's a. I guess I understand the risk. I can think of some ways I may approach it if asked to automate a monitoring or enforcement system. But 
I can't say <laughs> if I want to if I want to um, retweet a meme about Kanye West, I want to do it with freedom. <laughs> I'll pay for the consequences of it myself, but I want to do it on my own. Um, right. I don't want so. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, I, I think um, I think you covered a, a few of the points I, I was I was thinking about as well, which is um, it's going to be heavy-handed for any company to try and, and enforce a policy restricting um, what employees can say. But the companies are also going to suffer those consequences of what employees say, even if employees say things like uh, put things in their profile, like this is my opinion. This does not reflect the opinion of of my company. Um, We've gotten to the point um, currently where where um, if someone says something in social media uh, that depending on who that offends, that block of people will then go and try and boycott the company. Um, so that's, it, it's a real sticky situation and, and it's where the HR person on the lawyers really should get involved. Um, but I do think as, as technology executives, we, we can bring a, a certain knowledge and a certain expertise to the situation. Um, and, and this social media is getting to where there's so many different things out there. You can't, you talk about automating things. You can automate Twitter. That's pretty easy. You can automate Facebook. That's probably pretty easy. How do you automate Twitch? How are you going to uh, automate the monitoring of Twitch and, and what an employee might say in a video on Twitch? Um but is or, that a is that a realistic goal to even control all that? I I'm mean, not saying I'm not I'm not saying it's a realistic goal. I'm saying it's where the world's moving. The yeah, world's yeah. moving to video. Um the the social media world anyway. Um video's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. So um you talked about automating. I hadn't even thought of automated monitoring. Um that when you're talking about video and audio, that certainly uh, certainly plays a part as well. Um, as far as you're probably not going to be able to monitor that as easily or inexpensively. Well, I do know. Like, let's go on to a let's take it down a different path. Public companies and their statements to the public are monitored, are recorded by compliance rules i think i could be wrong about this but there's a certain amount of if a if a ceo of a company goes out and makes a statement that is material to the business and the prospects of it and then they go and sell the stock or make a move there is definitely a enforcement um policy around what what statement was made did it influence the market price and did you act upon that influence um so i can like i remember so compliance and communications well like uh, the example that i have of doing that kind of stuff was 
as a part of our regulation, when I worked for Horizon Cash Management for 10 years, we had to record all info, in go, incoming and outgoing emails. And we built, we purchased the service of a, basically an email recorder. And all it really did was capture every email that went through our servers and then indexed the contents so that if an audit needed to, to take place, it was really simple and it wouldn't waste a lot of time and money of the company. And that was proactive uh, for us to do that because talking to a friend of mine in law, the amount of money that lawyers spend um, on email searches and stuff is incredible. So this was us kind of saying like, let's get ahead of this and just, you know, monitor and record all this. I guess you could still say that any messaging on any platform for certain officers of a company is pretty much the same, especially if it's done from the servers of the company offices. And so I could see where if any requests go out on Twitter from the company office, you may want to record that. Um, and major like 99% of it will be crap that you're recording, but maybe that's one of the type of reasons why you would do such a thing. So I could see where a company, um, that has to monitor their messages to the public and the subsequent trades and stuff that may be involved may have to do that by law. And that's right. not, that's, you can't get around that type of thing. Right. Um, that, that that's absolutely true. When you're dealing with securities law, that that matters, um, and that that also applies to the audio and video as well. So, yeah. um, that that was an excellent point to bring up as well. What um, <laughs> I, I've seen varying opinions on the footers that go on emails. I as think far as a legal basis, <laughs> they are. <Yeah. laughs> I think, um, yeah. As far as hey, uh, and by receipt of this email, you acknowledge that you will use it only for business. It, it, it probably not enforceable in any court of law. I did well. I just want to see a, a case that's gone to law where someone is suing because I sent you an email that explicitly said you couldn't do such and such, and you went against that contract. And I'm like, I don't know how you enforce something like just because you send me a contract doesn't mean I agree to it. Right. Like right. It, even if you say in the bottom of a footer, you agree to this. I'm like, no, I don't. And you sent it to me and I don't have a chance. Like, I guess I could block all future emails. Maybe that's the argument, but that doesn't make for a very effective system. I mean, the majority of contracts in life, uh, in law are simply a means to structure a future dispute. Like they aren't really right. there to block you necessarily and they may not be enforced, but it says like anything, it says we agree on these guidelines. And if we have a disagreement, then this is how we'll deal with it. And that's really what most of those type of, um, guideline like there are guidelines for future arguments i guess is how i've always looked at them right so i don't know that, that yeah. 
Yeah, I, I had to bring that up because that's one of those things when we're talking about policies and and that's one where the lawyers got involved, right? Yeah. Um, some lawyer somewhere said, "Hey, let's uh, let's try and protect ourselves from having our own emails used against us. So we'll make somebody, we'll make everybody put this at the bottom of their email, or we will have the server tack it on on the bottom of every email that gets sent, um, and then it just." Uh, as bad ideas go, it spread like a weed um, from there. So, um, so that that's uh, like I said. What what brought up this this idea was was just seeing various uh, various instances where um, people will will make a statement or or take a controversial photo in social media um, and then the companies come that they work for come under fire. So um, wanted to, wanted to work through as, as technology executives, what exactly the, the, the thought process behind everything was. Um, and well, and th- go ahead. Well, I think step one, hire, good people um like you can i have no problem looking up people for anything like what statements do they make if i if i am looking for a guest for our show i definitely look them up on social media and and look at what do they what do they say in public because i don't necessarily want like i don't want like I, i guess Let's put Kanye West back in the picture. Not that he'd ever talk on our show and not that I really follow him that much, but he is big in the news yesterday for statements that are controversial to us, you know, a group of people. And usually his statements are by design there to gather attention. I wouldn't hire him to represent my company. Why is it not? I don't really listen to his music that much, but Um, And I don't have an opinion on his talent level, but I don't need that type of attention brought my way. The attention that he gathers is not the kind of attention I want for my business. So that goes for anybody I talk to. Um, And there are certain people I'm definitely um, personally more on the liberal side of politics. So I'm probably not going to bring on a very strong minded a uh, conservative person necessarily, you know, if, if the, if the majority of their tweets lean towards political discussion, I may not want them associated with a tech podcast. You know, I, I don't know, but I think that you do screening these days to see what does this person do online before they get into my company. And okay. And that's, to me, the first filter. If you don't take the time to do that and then worry about the social media stuff, I don't think you're doing the ounce of prevention that's really necessary. Okay, so, so let, me, let me pick at that a little, make sure we, we, we're clarifying exactly what, what we're talking about here. So it sounds like you're, you're going down the Tim Tebow road of um, – of uh, locker room uh, unity 
<laughs> of of not wanting necessarily to bring controversial or um, or outspoken um, people into your organization. I, I don't think that's what you meant to say specifically, but that's what what I heard. It depends on what they're outspoken about. Okay. Like Tim Tebow is outspoken about Christianity. Like it comes through on everything he talks about. I, that doesn't bother me it, um, personally um, that he does that. So would I talk to Tim Tebow on our show? Sure. If he has, an, if, if he has something to talk about technology um, or he wants me to grade his NFL prospects again, um, I'd be happy to insult him. But the <laughs> when it comes to, like, do I want my company, do I want what I bring Kanye West on when I know he's going to tweet stuff that runs against the attention I want, the type of attention I want for my company, then no, I don't, I don't want that. So it's not about that they are outspoken. It's about the fact that, okay, what kind of attention do your, does your social media presence garner you? And is that something I want to have associated with? Like if someone were to go, Kanye West, um, who works for All Aboard Apps, says this about Trump. I, I don't. I just don't want that attention. I don't want to have to answer to that. Um, I don't think it would be good for the business that I am trying to present. But if it were to be like Tim Tebow, um, devout Christian and, and minor league baseball player, middling minor league baseball player, then I'd be like. Okay, as long as I mean, if if he's going to do something for the business, I don't see that as a negative attention type of thing. So that's the difference to me is what is your so what is what how do you represent yourself in social media before you get in the door? Now, I might have a statement to anybody working at the company that says this is how you should portray yourself or play like we don't want attention around politics. We're staying out of it. We don't lobby Congress. We don't lobby the branches of legislature. We don't, we don't get involved in any of that stuff. And so we ask that you refrain from getting into the middle of these things. And that's just a matter of, you know, how you want to represent your business. I work with a lot of people that are very outspoken about the NRA and, and gun control. And I personally don't care. Um, it doesn't bother me that anyone I work with would represent themselves strongly in that area, but that's, there's bias there. I'm like, I'm the head of my, my company and they probably agree with me on some things. So it's kind of up to the, you know, people that work for the Koch brothers, I bet they have a very strong policy about what you're allowed to say without getting fired there. And I wouldn't right. agree with half of it, but, um, or more than half of it, but that's what go, like if you want to take the money from that company to work for them, they're going to put certain policies on you because the founders of the company are outspoken and shovel their money into certain, um, discussions in the political atmosphere. 
So it's not about the outspokenness. It's about what is said. And I think it's important, very important for companies and for leaders to know if you bring in a person um, to my company, what are you saying? And does that affect the team? Um, the Like how our team interacts with each other. And that, that's what I would say is more important for someone at our level that's putting a team together. Is right. not to is how what is allow what is disruptive, and what represents the team um, or not or doesn't matter. Um, I guess there's an, I do have an example, but go ahead. I was gonna uh, the the last point you brought up there is is really where I'm leaning more than anything is the locker room dynamic, um, mm-hmm. the, the team dynamic. I. I while I don't necessarily want people out there, um, let me rephrase that. I understand the position that if someone makes a statement and that statement is accompanied by employed by CTO think, for example, um, then that's going to be something that as a as tech leaders we have to react to. Um, and I don't know that I necessarily will use it as a first filter um, to say, does this person make controversial statements? Uh, uh, yes, they do. Therefore, I, I don't know that I want them in the company um, to, to, to use the examples you've been using. Mm-hmm. Um if Kanye was the perfect fit technically for the position I needed, am I not going to hire him based on his, his public statements? Yeah. It's a difficult decision. Um, uh, he, he, he's a better JavaScript programmer than Tim Tebow is who, while also controversial is, is controversial in a different way. Um, I, I don't know which direction to go as far as um, is it necessarily, am I screening based on that? Cause it, it's difficult. It, it, it's difficult to tell people you're not allowed to have opinions um, because they will come right back and say, these are mine. They don't represent the company as an employee of the company. You'd never really get rid of that label that you're an employee of the company. So it's tough. Maybe um, our example, maybe our examples kind of suck at the moment. Let's, <laughs> I mean, and believe me, they're mine. I think I brought up every personality so far. So instead of Tim Tebow, who would never be talking about tech, and Kanye West, who please don't talk about tech, <laughs> let's go and talk about James Daymore. Is it Daymore? Dumbmore? Dom, I don't know. Um, the guy at Google okay. who made this, the statements about. Um, the plight sure. of the the plight of the whiny white man is all right. is what I'm going to say. <laughs> but that's that's not probably fair, but it's, that's what it sounded like to me. Um, I do know people that agree with him. Um, that that really felt that he got a bad deal, and um, I disagree with them. I think he decided to tread into the political waters, um, the social media waters with a statement that was, you know, his opinion. And 
and he suffered the consequences because he brought negative attention to a big company that is in a liberal landscape. Google is out in California. The their social media presence, their customer base is a good percentage liberal um, based on how the company has represented itself. That doesn't mean that Google doesn't isn't a source of usage for people on both sides. But anyway, Daymore had an internal memo that at a company that size, that stuff is not staying private. Like right. maybe he, he can maybe make the argument, well, I did it internally. I didn't expect it to go out. But then I'd be like, well, then you're dumb as dirt because that you don't work at a big company, make a controversial statement and think it's not going to leak to the press in that scenario. But the would you like I don't know how good a engineer he is, but let's say he's really good. Would you hire him if he could solve a Python problem that you needed for Aspire EDU? The answer there is no more because of the team dynamic than the external controversy. And I think that's where I'm trying starting to land mm -hmm. is while I don't want a homogenous team because that uh, that just breeds bubble thinking um, and, and no, nobody being able to think outside and, and create different solutions. If you have everybody thinking the same way. Um, it, it, the team dynamic is, is important to any company. And if, if a person's public stance is going to impact the team dynamic, then that, that's just going to, uh, sink, sink any company. Um, I think for the most part that I can deal with external pressures and I can deal with, um, external statements more than I can deal with how does this person's public stance affect the rest of the team? Yeah. Um, I think that's where I'm, I'm landing on all this. Um, and that's that in and of itself is tough. How do you balance between homogeny and, and people having different opinions and, and, and probably, uh, opposite opinions at times. Um, and that's, that is also just very careful screening, very careful discussion. Um, and, and, and get, we're going to use our magic word. I think we're going to rename our, our podcast. Um, <laughs> and, and just, uh, an ex expectation of empathy. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we're going to start calling our podcast empathy, empathy, <laughs> empathy, think. <laughs> because we bring that up a lot. Um, I, I think that's, that's the trait, right? Um, I can have a stance, but I can also understand your stance. I don't have to agree with it, but I, I at least can, yeah. can take a view of your experiences and, and your, your life history and go, I see how you got there. Um, and then, figure out the best path to, to continue together as a team. Um, people that are empathetic while they may have opinions are, are, are welcoming of other opinions, I guess is the best way to put it. 
Well, that's where I was going to steer this because the, the there becomes an issue. If your goal is to have to help, let's say you are a tech leader and you understand the lack of inclusiveness that our industry has. It's not unique to the tech industry, but we definitely know in the tech industry, we have problems with gender imbalance and um, ethnic background type of issues uh, in terms of white men dominate the industry from an employment standpoint. And so if you filter on a social media um, level, like based on this person's ideals are different from the team and I'm trying to maintain a stable team, and you also tell me that you're trying to hire a more inclusive workforce, you're going to have issues, I think. Because the most stable-looking or stable-sounding team is one where everybody agrees with each other and nobody says anything that would ever ruffle feathers. And I think the best example would be when I started working for a particular firm and they hired an individual that I asked them like, hey, what's your Twitter handle? And they said to me, well, here it is, but you might not like what I have to say on there. And I was like, oh, well, no, I definitely, <laughs> no, I definitely have to follow you. <laughs> and all they were doing was re- they would retweet um, statements that talked about um, – a lot at the time, it was a lot of Tanisha Coates related articles, stuff that kind of bluntly said, "Hey, white guys, you're bad about this, or you're wrong about this, or white men suck about this." And honestly, I was like, "Wow, I've never worked with someone that would retweet things this bluntly that were, in a way, directed towards an ethnic group." Happened to be who I was a part of. But what I found over time was I didn't necessarily disagree (laughs) with the sentiments. So maybe that's the difference is I didn't, I took offense at first because I was like, that's bluntly against me. But then I realized, you know what? It's a statement of opinion. It's not necessarily directed at me personally. Maybe I should read it and see if I do have any of these behaviors being knocked down. Um, and I, I've decided to keep following. And instead of getting mad, I started trying to learn more. But I guess what I'm getting back to is if that person's tweets had been monitored for will it ruffle feathers, and I know it did other people on the company, he, that person never would have gotten hired. If they, if they had been hired based upon their out, their little more outspoken social media presence. Right. And, and in hindsight, that would have been a horrible thing not to have that person in the company because I know them and I know who they are and I know the influence they have on teammates and I know how they represent that company and they represent it very well. And so I think there's a big balance you're going to have to watch out for striking if you are going to say, I want to help with the technology 
um, industry being more inclusive, but I'm going to smush, squash all desi- like all communications that may ruffle the feathers of certain people on the team. Because I don't think we move forward with inclusiveness if everybody agrees with that let's just all get along kind of thing. Right. And so, that's, yeah, that's where, that's, that's where it's tough. That's where I, I, I said, you, you don't want a homogenous team, but there does have to be, there, there has to be something about team dynamics. So I, I think we have successfully each stated a position and had the other completely debunk it. so so the title of this podcast should be will you hire kanye um (laughs) well he i i'm gonna i'm gonna write well he is now his own manager based on what i've read so i'm gonna send him a letter directly an email directly and say will you be on the show please just don't say anything controversial and see where that gets me well, you, you do. I think you have to send that note to Kim as well, because immediately after he said, I, I don't have a manager, he had to say, but my wife said to say this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he does have a manager. Let's, let's just say she just doesn't carry a title of such. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so no, that, that I knew, I knew we were going to, we we're going to tread into to some slightly controversial stuff here. And, and, and I don't know that we ever came to anything conclusive because I don't think there's a right answer. And that's, that's part of this whole discussion as well is empathy and belief that it's not black and white. Um, it, it, it's very gray when it comes to, to decisions like this. Yeah. So, um, so generally that, that, that's where I, I wanted to have the discussion and, and walk through our thought processes. And, and I think we, we both, I think we're generally on the same page, but we both approached it in different ways. But um, here, I guess the, let me throw another, I know you're trying to end this, but I'm going to stop that process. If you are <laughs> looking, if, if you're looking for a gig or you're looking for a leadership position, you have to make a choice on how you represent yourself outside the company and what that means to the company you work at or future companies you want to work at. And I try, I I really think about every retweet I make. I try to think about what would this look like if I retweet this? What will this look like if, if I quote it or reply to it or like it? Um, there are some statements that I choose that I'm like, I hope that someone knows I feel this way because I personally wouldn't want to work for them if they felt differently. Right. But, but you really, if your goal is that you want to work for other people or represent yourself, you should be self filtering, self monitoring, disciplined about your social media presence because tweets are text tweets are indexed. And it will, whatever you post is something that represents you one way or the other. And it doesn't mean it's justified in how your, how a company you want to work for or do work for, how they interpret your statements, but it's on you. You have personal responsibility for how, for what you post. And that's what you need to think about before you do such things. That has nothing, that, that goes for anybody, not just tech. But um, 
I think that you like that's it's on you. It's on the person to make sure that what they push out there is what they want to represent them for the long term, I should say. Right. And and that that's perfectly fair to say be aware of your public persona. Yeah. Um and be aware that Everyone is going to treat that public persona in different ways. And as long as you're willing to be treated based on your public persona, then that's, that's on you to make that decision. And, and I used to be a lot more reserved in, in, in my public persona. Um, but I decided that it was time to be a little less reserved and a little bit more um, personal and a little bit more of who I was. I'm I'm still a fairly reserved person. Let's not let's not talk about um, me going out and partying and and, <laughs> and, well, and posting stuff like that. But yeah, um, but that's that. Generally, that's a good statement. Is is just be aware of what your public persona is, and that that you can and will probably be judged in different ways based on that persona. I mean, I since you made the statement that you love Kanye West and everything that he represents. That's exactly how people will perceive you. <laughs> that's, that's not what I said. <laughs> well, that, that's the other problem, right? Is that it's all a matter of perception. Like people. And, and mis- misrepresentation. Yeah. For sure. And so that statement could be clipped out of our audio and played back. And then you have to answer to why was a statement made that you like Kanye West? And you're like, I didn't say that the other person said it, but you didn't, you you didn't disagree enough. And that's a whole matter of perception versus reality. And that's, that's why to circle back around, that's why I'm more willing to go engage and, um, talk about, uh, people's, tweets to the to the to the external world and how how that differs from a company um stance versus team dynamics that's why team dynamics are a lot more important it's hard it's really hard for me to sit there and say to a team yeah that what that person tweeted doesn't represent this company but wait they work for this company and they're working with you all so that's gonna that's gonna be tough that that's a conversation that's a lot harder to have than it is to say that person made that statement that is their statement that is their stance that has nothing to do with the company i i'm yeah. perfectly comfortable making that statement 99 out of 100 times probably um it's the team dynamic part that that i think is tough yep so I think that's uh I think that's where we end up for today. What uh what controversial statements are you off to make uh are you off to make this week? Mm, I'm going <laughs> to LA. I'm going to LA next week. So Uh-oh. I expect to be feeling more in the liberal enclave of thought. <laughs> I'm going to well, I think you can drop in. I think you can drop in on Kanye and Kim while you're there. I'm going to say hello to Kanye and Kim. I'm going to tell James Damore I would not hire him um, when T- if Tim Tebow happens to be playing minor league ball out west. I will drop in and watch him strike out. Uh, but 
really, I just hoped for better weather. That's that's really the number one goal. And I, you, I see, you live in Chicago. That's not hard. I'm I'm going. To, I see seventies and sun on the weather ten day forecast, and that's what I'm expecting. So don't disappoint me, Los Angeles. <laughs> what about you? What are you up to? Um. Just uh, continuing to work through uh, some improvements we're making to the uh, to the project we're working on, and then uh, I'm looking forward to finishing that security survey um, and and celebrating uh, getting that complete. So that, yeah. that's what I'll be working through. But awesome. that's uh, that's that's pretty much it for this week. So uh, we will see you soon. All right, later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.